Back in the saddle, homies. This is episode 10. Let's ride. What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome to the show, y'all. You are listening to the coolest, currently unknown podcast on the planet Earth. Yes, you are indeed listening to Sound and Strain with Ryan Cano. I am your host, Ryan Cano, bringing you the most interesting and knowledgeable takes on music, the music industry, and entertainment at large. I also recommend the freshest strains of cannabis to you every week. I care about music, I care about artists, and I only play great music on this pod. I care about helping your music and entertainment career, putting you up on free game, doling out advice and strategies to help you get ahead. I care about your health, mentally and physically. I will talk about my journey with autoimmune illnesses, and maybe you can find something in there that may help you on your journey in health and in life. Seasons, greetings everyone. How are you enjoying your holiday season so far? If you celebrated Thanksgiving, I know some of us don't do that, but if you did, uh, you know, I guess mine was low-key. wasn't really much of a Thanksgiving celebration as much as I just had, you know, dinner with my mom in H-Town. Uh, the drive into Houston and the drive home were fairly chill. took about as long as it should have. The road to Houston, uh, you know, it was busy, but not like packed as it usually is on a drive like that. Uh, Thanksgiving can really turn... You know, from what's from Austin, a three and a half hour drive into five and a half, six hours easily. So having the trip just take as long as it usually did was pretty encouraging. The only discouraging thing I saw on the road was that, you know, truck stops like Bucky's and Pilots, they were just fucking packed. Bucky's was, uh, it, it just looked crazy. Tons of people at the pumps, tons of cars just parked and likely shopping in the convenience store. I mean, thousands of people. Uh, for those of you not in Texas, this is just like, think of like the craziest truck stop you've ever seen, except that there's no trucks there. It's just for people traveling. It's it's huge. And anyways, they're known for clean as fuck bathrooms. So if you're traveling on the road, if you're touring in a band, you know you can basically trust going to their bathroom and it's clean. But this is pre-pandemic. So I mean, you know, it's a huge bathroom they have there. There's like usually 50 stand-up pissers, 50 sit-down toilets with fully private walls that go from the floor to ceiling. And it's big fucking business in there. It's, you know, they got food, kolaches, tacos, briskets, tons of merchandising uh, as Bucky's is basically a beaver. So, I mean, I personally like getting the Fruity Pebbles Krispies treat when I'm in there. I mean, that shit is just delicious. It's so fucking good. Uh, but this time, on this trip, during COVID-19 spiking in Texas, fuck that. I am not going into that shit. I already told you guys last episode that I would piss on the side of the fucking road before I stepped foot in that shit during a pandemic. And you know what? If I had to, I would shit on the side of the road before I stepped into one of those. And you know what? I didn't have to do that, but I did have to go water the grass. I, I really just had to take a piss super bad on my trip in. And any other time I pulled into a Bucky's, you know, I'd be going into their bathroom. I'd be dropping 20 bucks in food and merchandise, probably filling up on gas, using those clean ass bathrooms, washing my hands, all that good stuff. But during a pandemic, like, 
I don't know. You won't catch me at an at capacity concert hall, and you're not going to find me at an at capacity big box convenience store. The mixed messaging we've all received as a public is pretty infuriating in terms of dealing with COVID-19. This business with a ton of people inside an air-conditioned place is okay, but the business over here that would also have a ton of people inside an air-conditioned place is not okay to be open. So it's almost no wonder that people are behaving in a multitude of ways. We're oddly... We've oddly protected certain businesses and deemed them too big to fail during the pandemic or too big to stop temporarily from functioning. Other businesses, though, like the live music ecosystem, for instance, that gigantic industry is deemed big enough to fail. It's increasingly sad to see that our government values what our government values and what they don't. Industries we save are deemed valuable to society, but any time that money and industry is attached to the arts, we're given the short end of the stick, and that fucking sucks. Speaking to this note and kind of buried by the Thanksgiving break was that City of Austin delays venue funding again. As reported by Rachel Roscoe from the Austin Chronicle, millions of dollars remain designated, but the money to sustain Austin's live music venues never arrives. For venue owners and advocates, who have endured lip service from the council since you know March of this year and the cancellation of South by Southwest. Uh, the latest hit just came from a recent city memo, and the update announced applications for venue aid won't open till mid to late January of next year. Or, you know, as I've put it time and time again myself, the firemen, the firewoman, the fireperson, they're going to show up after the house has already burned down. I mean, aid in January is 10 months later. And, you know, the city of Austin had a protest from musicians and club owners alike. The quote here is, Venues cannot wait that long, which is declared by Nakia Reynosa of the Austin, Texas Musicians. Uh, I don't really know what they are, an advocacy group? Uh, during a rally that happened um, about a week or so ago at City Hall. It says, you know, a quote from here is that the Austin moves a carrot time and time again. If they really care about the live music capital of the world, the way they market it in every brochure and commercial, then where is the money? Obviously, Nokia is right. Money is sitting there as proverbial help for these people, but nothing is released to your company, your business, your venue while you sit around on month 10 of not being able to operate whatsoever. 10 fucking months of not being open at all y'all y'all understand that live music venues especially in a city that markets itself that you know in the way that it does does they don't make a lot of money because the lease terms are so egregious that any sort of profit margin at the end of the day is very bare how expensive it is to rent real estate is partially the reason you see bars in town that succeed are really just typically high volume Overserve the youngest legal drinkers as a business plan. You know, whoever sells the most shots, whoever sells the most drinks can afford to stay open. So shot bars on the so-called Dirty Sixth Street, they can survive for decades. But music venues that give this town its ability to claim being so unique typically don't last past their first lease terms, which is about five years. So everything as it relates to small businesses and COVID-19 is fucked, especially if your small business is a music business. I can tell you straight up that the loyalty firm will be down over 85% in revenues this year. In my mind, it's more like 99%. It's not that bad, but it's fucking bad. 
uh, pitiful in fact. So having to switch to a side hustle or a new full-time gig is many people's realities and likely could be mine. I've been doing side hustles to try and maintain until music comes back in full force, but there's no stimulus help on the way. You know, how to make it going forward becomes a bigger question mark for us all. I can't imagine what it is to these venue owners who have to try and play the long game and take on tons of debt while holding on to a lease. I mean, many of the places you see downtown are like $10,000, $20,000 a month to rent out. So 10 months of not operating, $200,000. Think about that. The city not wanting to put out so-called good money after bad makes some sense. I can see that from their side a little bit, but to be constantly moving the carrot is garbage. You know, people are making plans based upon things you tell them. You know, push the date out to where it needs to be and then stick to it because for this exact reason, you're affecting people's daily lives by doing this. And if you aren't telling the truth in this, then how can people really expect to proceed? The message you are really sending is not one of help. Very fucking disappointed in the city of Austin during this pandemic and how it is related to the music industry. Uh, hell, our music industry isn't super diverse. It's largely live music. So it isn't like some sort of like code or puzzle they need to figure out at City Hall. It's, you know, largely musicians and a live music infrastructure. Uh, there isn't a major label, you know, presence here. Uh, the biggest label here is likely Dead Oceans, which is part of the Secretly group. And other than that, there's really not much else. So the fact that an unvaried music industry ecosystem is here and the city's still can't find the right balance to help is just frustrating as it is appalling. Too often the music industry seemed like an afterthought to those in charge uh, who will be touting how important live music is to them when South by Southwest 2021 digital rolls around next year. You watch. The more often we find ourselves asking these questions of our leaders, the more we just need to believe our eyes instead of what we want to believe in them, which is that, you know, we are worthy of being saved. But time and time again, we have to remind the politicians who we are, even though we're one of the biggest industries in the city. The fireman is showing up after the house is burned down. Moving on. Uh, actually, real quick, I'm going to go off the cuff here. Uh, Steve Adler is the mayor of Austin, and he got busted hosting a wedding for his daughter. And then he took a private jet to a timeshare that they have in Mexico. But while he was in Mexico... He basically gave a video telling businesses to, you know, shut down, people stay at home and not do things outside if they don't have to, to stop the spread of COVID-19. And what a fucking clown to do that. That is just, it's, it's just totally insane that he is just that he didn't see how that would even look. I mean, besides just doing it and thinking he's above reproach and above the rules and above really the advice of the CDC and the advice he's giving out to other people, uh, he still did all that shit. It's just, it's fucking mind-blowing. Anyways, uh, again, moving on. As you may already know, this podcast is listed under entrepreneurship, partly because of how I made my way through the music industry was under a company I founded myself. That company, of course, is The Loyalty Firm, for those who don't know. Part of running a business is budgeting and forecasting. With a pandemic and the job losses out there or the lack of raises for those who are not furloughed, many people are out there are not only looking for extra ways to earn money, but extra ways to save money. 
I lead a pretty frugal lifestyle and it got me thinking about one of the main ways I have kept the cost down over the years. Your two main costs in life tend to be your mortgage or rent and your car note. If you're able to buy, especially in a hot market where costs are seemingly going to go up forever, then go buy. That's one of my best advice I can give. Over time, you will find that you're going to end up paying less for your mortgage than you may have been paying for the last apartment that you rented out before buying your own place. And while you're in a place that you buy, obviously you are earning equity as you're living there and holding up and maintaining that loan. So I think... You know, that may be an obvious thing that most people know already, but I wanted to talk about cars. For a long ass time, car makers for years expected people to own a car for about four to five years, maybe. You know, even as recently as 2007, this was true. Then the recession happened. And what has changed now is that people are buying cars less and less. Some of that is basically being related to how expensive cars are, and some of that's just related to people having less and less disposable income. You know, the money just doesn't stretch as far after the utilities and are paid. So now automakers expect car owners to be in their car for seven to eight years. And many new loans reflect this with 72 months or 84 month loan offers out there from media auto, you know, for many automakers populating your commercial brakes. I bought a really good vehicle that was three years old at the time and paid it off in about four years on a loan. And since then, I've had the same ride. I haven't had a car payment in over 10 fucking years. Say your car loan was like 350 bucks a month. That's $4,200 a year. I have saved $42,000 this decade just not having a car note. And that is what people make, a lot of what people make in a year. That's how much I saved. And if you can do this, you know, yourself, allow yourself to save the cash instead of giving it away to a loan at a bank. You know, you can save $42,000 fucking dollars and fuck you know, I personally wish I had invested all those savings because that would be quite a nice little nest egg, wouldn't it? But, uh, you know, that's not how life happens. You know, school loans appear, got to pay that shit off. Hospital bills, medical bills pop up that you didn't expect, got to fucking pay that shit off. Uh, you know, that monthly payment, you know, ends up being like a car note. But anyways, fuck school loans and hospital bills, man. But uh, yeah, y'all, like $42,000 over 10 years $4,200 a year that's the savings that fun for me seems to be over uh it's time for your boy to buy a new ride luckily my truck is still going so this isn't like an emergency and I need to buy one right away uh, that's always an unpleasant situation to be in you know any good car salesman can smell that desperation although you know just all over your face so i'm fortunate there but you know i need to get out there looking my preference is with a certain car company i own shares in this company and i don't know i think like most car companies i assume there is a shareholder discount you know and well fuck it i'll i'll tell you because you'll know in a sec when i talk about the vehicle what i'm looking at but yeah i own shares of ford and ford has a discount program for shareholders uh, I need to basically what I needed to do was own a certain number of shares and have held it for a certain amount of time to qualify for this program. But I already had that shit taken care of before I even acquired. So I, I basically qualified right away, got approved for the program. Uh, but I've yet to really talk to anyone at a dealership near me. I, did, I haven't gotten to that stage yet. Just, you know, COVID-19 and just, I don't know. I'm just not really looking forward to going out there and dealing with all that shit. Um, 
anyhow, we'll see what the discount can afford. Uh, but my wish uh, would be to figure out how the fuck I can get myself into one of those new Broncos they're releasing next year. Uh, online, I built myself a Bronco Sport that was decked out and dope as fuck. 4x4, had metal underplating, really cool rims, just crazy fucking suspension on this beast, and definitely way more vehicle than I need. But y'all, I need it. Uh, these things are beautiful. The one I built looked like a slicker Range Rover uh, with a lot more muscle to it. I mean, yes, that shit was fucking gorgeous. There's the Ford website for the Bronco 2 that is really easy to use and allows you to build a custom Bronco. And I basically picked everything that was a costly ass upgrade. I mean, fuck it. It was a fantasy at first. Uh, you know, let's put it on the SUV. Who cares? And at the end, I found the Bronco 2 Sport was fairly affordable. Um, I mean, I had to stretch it. I had to have a 72-month loan at 0% to sort of make it, you know, in the realm of reality for me. But my credit is good, and, you know, I'm not sure how cool they'll be to me with the loan just yet. But damn, y'all, this has my juices flowing, and I think I'm going to maybe put a deposit down on one, but I don't know. We'll see. So we'll see if I end up doing a deposit on this one. You know, I'm frugal. I'm cheap as fuck, if you will. Uh, but there's a big whisper in my ear also just telling me to get another F-150 that's a few years old and just ride that bitch into my 50s. I love the F-150. I learned how to drive on an F-150, which probably sounds very Texan to some of y'all. Um, but, you know, I'm also considering an Explorer. I've always thought they were dope SUVs, so it's on my consideration list once I start looking at used vehicles. But uh, hopefully my truck gets a half-decent trade-in price and makes this all done in one sort of transaction. I'm not going to give my truck away. Trucks have an amazing resale in Texas with many trucks destined to go to Mexico. So basically it's a dual market that competes against each other. My truck before the current one I own had sold for like 40% of what I had paid for it almost eight years before. I mean, I'm telling you, Texas and Mexico love their used trucks. So anyways, a big purchase likely in my future as I'm about to start looking at new rides uh, in earnest. Big wheels keep on turning probably time to buy a new car. Anyways, if you want to look into save money, I, I just recommend paying off a car and staying in it and going with it for the long haul and using those savings onto some other area of your life that you can apply it to, whether that's credit card debt, just increasing your savings, or maybe helping you put a down payment on something that's important like a house or you know something else like, I don't know, tuition or something like that. That's one of the ways I've saved over the years and I'm just giving that advice right back to you. Anyway, so let's take a quick break to recalibrate our minds before we get into strain talk. Be right back, y'all.
You just listened to Swallow the Rat and their song Cold Moon from their debut full-length LP, Leaving Room. Swallow the Rat is currently touring around New Zealand because they live in a country that took COVID-19 seriously, and they are back to living their lives without a mask and playing live shows. Oh man, just beautiful. Anyhow, go find Swallow the Rat online and lend them your strong ear. You can find copies of this album on vinyl, and it's on Swallow the Rat's Bandcamp page, or on their record label's Bandcamp page. Let's get into Strain Talk. Strain of the week is... The Sativa Dominant Hybrid Super Lemon Haze. Lemon Haze is a cross between Silver Haze and Lemon Skunk. Being a Sativa Dominant Hybrid, it has a 70-30 Sativa Indica Ratio. The strain has a 17% THC and a 0.38% CBD content average. The buds are yellow and green in color with amber hairs seeping through the trichomes which give it a unique yellow tint. As for the aroma, it is recognized for having the smell of a freshly cut lemon. The taste is more or less the same, but with citrus undertones. If you've been having a rough day or hell, even a rough year, this strain is a great choice because it is known for its uplifting effects. This strain is great at fighting nausea. Maybe the holidays are giving you a big ass headache, and this strain can help combat some of that queasiness. Other users take this strain to help them with their depression, stress, and chronic pains and aches. Grab yourself this strain at your local dispensary. Super Lemon Haze smells as fresh as a cut Myers lemon and it will invigorate your palate. Keeping with Strain Talk, y'all, New Zealand recently put legal cannabis on the ballot. And it was narrowly with a margin of 50.7% to 48.4%. It was defeated. What the fuck? (sighs) When the uh, stats break down, if you're age 18 to 50, you were pretty much for it. And people, you know, over the age of 50 were really not for it. So my guess is that this will happen sooner or later over in that country. I mean, damn. I mean, basically a defeat by 2%. The fuck? Uh, New Zealand was about to really add a new layer to their economy and to tourism. They're just, they're right, they're right on the cusp. Hopefully that goes up for a revote or, uh, you know, whatever that ha- happens in that process over there. And citizens are giving another shot at making cannabis legal for all adults to use. Before I head out, I want to talk about a TV show that just wrapped up on HBO called How To with John Wilson. This is one of the most unique and funny TV shows I've seen in a while. HBO describes it as a uniquely hilarious odyssey of self-discovery and cultural observation. Wilson covertly and obsessively films the lives of his fellow New Yorkers while attempting to give everyday advice on relatable topics. If you are a fan of Nathan For You, there's elements of that show uh, in there. There, you know, there's, there's a lot of similarities, just a different approach, you know, between the shows, especially in how footage is acquired. Nathan Fielder is an exec producer on How To with John Wilson, so the stylistic similarities are not going to be lost on you. I highly recommend this six-episode first season. 
I love the New York footage, uh, especially neighborhoods not really often seen on film. The stories are cute and kind-natured. The series of events in the process of telling a story can produce some fairly shocking moments, and without ruining anything, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about when you get there. It's a really beautiful show. Uh, I love the story that he narrates uh, with his words and what he shows you on screen. Uh, I found myself laughing out loud quite a bit. If you get on the HBO Max app to watch it, uh, I think you're going to have a really good time. Um, also, happy to say that that HBO Max is now available on my Fire tablet, and now I have the full scope of that HBO app uh, at my disposal, and I'm pretty stoked for that. That is all for this week in episode number 10. I think starting next episode, I'm going to select some new theme music from Velcro Wolf to use. So with that, you have heard the beginning of the song countless times and elements from other parts of the song used in the show, but never the full song. So let's change that. This dope-ass track is called Walkman Wars, and it is the opener from Velcro Wolf's debut LP, Destroyer of Batteries. Let's have an awesome December, y'all. Do what you can to make your day great for you and yours. Going to send some parting advice to top off this holiday season, some free game for you, and say, save your money so one day your money can save you. See you next week, everyone.
Hey, what do you say, Annie? You're so sweet. Want to co-host? What do you say? What do you say? <laughs> hey, kitty. Come here, Annie. Hey. <laughs> Let me talk.